Um, Genie Mac. I came in one time for milk and I uh, walked out with an inflatable jacuzzi. <laughs> in the middle aisle, I'm different for candles. But I bring them home, I don't like them. I like the look of them. So thousands of candles stacked at home, not lit. Very like that, the middle aisle, you never know from day to day what's what's going on. Great. Oh, my glass are a little... St- <laughs> <laughs> The computer glasses, but they look good. <laughs> These were last night's um, middle aisle buy. Lidl is world famous for its middle aisle, that magical place where you discover products you have never seen before. Find essential tools, garden and household items at great prices, and sometimes buy quirky items you didn't think you needed. So how do we choose what goes into that special place in every store? Who is responsible for buying those non-food goods? And how do they stay on trend? reacting to current tastes and seasonal weather. That's what I'll be finding out in this episode of Lidl Chats. Hi, I'm Stephen McCausland, Deputy Store Manager, Lidl Clonee. And I'm Neve Dunlee, IT Business Consultant here at Lidl. And this is Lidl Chats, a podcast series where we get to know Ireland's best-loved retailer a little bit better by meeting the people behind the business or colleagues who come to work here every day and make Lidl what it is. This is episode four. If this is your first time listening, we hope you're enjoying it. When you're finished, remember to go back and listen to our previous three episodes to hear about our amazing warehouse operations, our approach to food waste, and how Lidl has changed since it arrived in Ireland all those years ago. Today, I'll be meeting one of the people responsible for the magic of Lidl's world-famous middle life. My name is Jason Gunning. I'm a non-food planner and buyer. I've been with the company now 10 years this year, actually. So a seasoned Lidl employee at this stage. It's fair to say that Jason has one of the more enviable jobs in Lidl. He gets to travel to Lidl's huge trade fair four times a year and trial all the products, play with all the games and buy the things that he thinks shoppers will love. And in this episode, he tells me all about it. Ten years with Lidl, so I started as a as a junior buyer ten years ago now, obviously. Um, I studied, believe it or not, uh, physics, well, astrophysics uh, in, in college, yeah. So I came out of leaving CERT with, like, not really knowing what I wanted to do in terms of career. So I said, look, I'll study something I enjoy, which was physics. Um, and it's great, it was a great icebreaker for, for interviews. It was like it always got the conversation started because it was not many people with astrophysics who coming into uh, you know, a retail position or whatever. It was always you know, most of the people who graduated went into tech businesses or stayed in academia, like went on to PhDs and stuff like that. So that was always good. Um, I did a, a marketing master's, um, like a, a changeover course um, after I graduated just to get a more idea of exposure, the business like, world and yeah. exact exposure yeah. to that. So it gave, uh, increased my options a bit. You know, Celtic Tiger was still roaring around that time. So it was like, you know, well, if you're a science degree, you can go work anywhere. You know, so it was all looking good. Um, I went abroad then for a year. I went to Korea, to South Korea to teach English. But uh, yeah, I did that for a year. And then when I came back, of course, the, uh, the, the, the economy was in the doldrums and everything had gone oh, upside down. And it wasn't looking good for a lot of people trying to get into to, to, um, to jobs. So yeah, I spent a, a good six months kind of looking around and I 
then found a position in a, a wine company, believe it or not. So I was helping to sell wines for about a year and a half, two years. So yeah, I actually it was- That's it was, how you got a new wine promo here, yeah, was it? it was, yeah, it was, it was good yeah. uh, to have that experience because I ended up working in wines again about a, a, you know, about a two years after into my career in Lidl. Um, I'd actually done a course, a, a, a wine course, a WSCT course, yeah. exactly, yeah. yeah. So I still had a lot of the knowledge. Um, and I was, yeah, I was doing wines here in Lidl for a good three years or so. And so I was able to bring that knowledge forward into that. I started working on um, some of the ambient range and freezer. um, And then uh, after a year of doing that, I moved into the food promotions. And that's where I spent the majority of my career was in food promotions. Um, So I got exposure to almost every side of the food promotions um, side of things. So I was working with seasonal uh, and brands. Um, I spent most of the my energy on food teams. So all you know of our Solimar, XXL, Greek Week, um, all the different promotions that we do from a food team perspective. Um, and I've been able to kind of use those skills now in non-food as well, because you're talking about forecasting your your market research, just developing products, new products and uh, as well that, that, that come on stream um, and then dealing with um, suppliers from international, but also ordering products locally ourselves here as well with, uh, with Irish suppliers and GB suppliers. The way it works really with non-food is it's primarily products are bought um, from our international colleagues. Um, so we have a big buying team in, in Germany for our non-food uh, and they would buy 90% of the products for us and then offer them to us at what we call an Ausmusterung it's basically like a trade show for, for Lidl um, so every Lidl country would go over there four times a year um, so once a quarter uh, and then every product that's available to those Lidl countries is offered by, by the international buyers at that event it, the, the Ausmusterung is set up in Lidl head office in Stiftung, uh, so it's in a, a town called Neckersum, and they have a building that's de- designated solely towards the, the buying um, uh, team um, and specifically for promotions, so non food and food promotions. Um, and there's a whole, it's over the course of two or three floors. So the first uh, the first floor is um, is for food, and then the second floor is for non food. I think that is another floor for administration and stuff like that. And the non food floor then is just uh, a big open space um, where all the non-food products for that particular quarter are laid out. So you can see in the past they would have had every single item um, but I suppose from an efficiency perspective and after COVID where people weren't able to travel uh, we had to do the Ausmustrung digitally. So since we've been going back to a physical Ausmustrung um, only the products that are you know, the best sellers and new items are there. So it just means it's consolidated you don't need to see a sample of a product you've ordered five times in the past you know you're aware of it and so you get to see samples of new and innovative items as well as some of the kind of top focus products and the best performing products Um, and it's yeah i mean it's 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 probably as big as i'd say easily a football field a gaelic football field size of of a room that's filled with these items have you seen any products at the trade fairs that are not suitable for the irish market and um, they're they're big into their camping in 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 Europe, obviously, particularly in countries like Germany. So you get offered very interesting things for the camping um, topic. And at one particular uh, most strong event we were at, there was an outdoor build your own toilet um, that was offered. I just remember that vividly. It came with its own 
you know, privacy curtain and everything. And I was just thinking, you imagine a stiff Irish breeze yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in other regions. Yeah. I can't imagine that would be very suitable for uh, for the Irish market. So uh, you could have a yeah. stall electric picnic or something with all this stuff, couldn't you? Like there you go. Huh? Electric picnic might be the way to go, but you know. So are we limited in how we can react to trends in the market, given how far in advance we have the order stock? We are somewhat limited in terms of how we can react to trends um, in, in Lidl because of the how far in advance we order most of our stock from international. Um, so it's, it's about being smart about reacting ourselves locally here. Um, so if we see something that's performing particularly well, we go back to the air fryers, for example. I mean, we can't go to international and say, air fryers are flying out. You need to get me 10,000 air fryers by the end of next week. It's just, it's just not the way our model works. Items that are in trend, but that can be kind of flexible, like, you know, that don't necessarily have to be for a particular type of trend and they can be, they can flex into other areas. And it's about getting our marketing team behind that. And again, social media to, to kind of push them, push these products into other areas and um, to help them sell. Um, but generally, the, 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 the branded team in international are quite savvy about what's coming up. 12 months down the line. They do their research. They do a lot of global research and at uh, European level as well and um, to see what's coming up. So, you know, in most cases, from my experience, um, by the time the products are on sale, the trends are still active. They're still popular um, because the, the team in international have done done their homework and they, can, they know what's coming down the line. So, um, yeah, generally, we're not overexposed there and we can react if we need to. We're at a, not, not an advantage, I would say, but we have the option now that because products have been delayed um, so much over the last year, um, that we, ha- we haven't been able to sell a lot of garden products and outdoor items because they just weren't available when we needed them. Um, but if we have a sudden heat wave in the end of May next year, there will be that stock sitting there waiting for us to use the likes of outdoor swimming pools and paddling, inflatable paddling pools and all that kind of I've stuff. I've been waiting on this jacuzzi for two and a half years <laughs> yeah. for the garden. I haven't got a garden, but I'm going to get it anyway, yeah. Well, that's it. I'm sure you're not the only one who's built a garden just to put Lidl product into it. Certainly, if if people outside of the Lidl community might not be aware of the the recall process with non-food. And it's a very important part of the process because with with greatest will in the world, you may not sell 100% of the stock that you put into a store on a Thursday or a Monday. So what do you do with that stock? There, there, There are a few options. Um, if you're if you're almost sold out, and you've only a handful of units left in a store, well then the store can reduce the price of the item themselves. Um, if we have stock across a whole range of stores, we might do a centralized price reduction where we say, right, this product was selling at nineteen ninety nine. To sell through the last few units, we'll drop the price by a fiver or whatever it might be to to help it sell through. Um, but if you're dealing with high value um, and kind of like you said, seasonal items, garden products, etc., you know, even if you reduce it. Um, well, for a start, it would be too expensive to the business to reduce it by a large amount if you have a lot of stock left over. But people still aren't going to buy, like I said, a garden post, compost or something like that if it's not uh, the season for it. So we recall that back. Um, each store gets a recall notification. Right, This is the stock this week that needs to be recalled from your store. It goes back to that store's centralized warehouse, the RDC. And from there, it's consolidated into a warehouse in Mullingar where we store non-food. Clade it all together and put all the same stock on the same pallets. Um, and then that stock is replanned into a future sales date. It's part of a, another topic that's relevant. Have we got any non-food Irish suppliers? 
We do have a, a handful, yeah, yeah. Um, so we we would need to source products locally here in Ireland for seasons that aren't uh, popular or required at all in other countries. Yeah. So you think about GAA sports gear, you know, hurls and footballs and gloves and sport and um, and uh, gear. Um, that's just not needed in other countries, obviously. Um, St. Patrick's Day, you know, is celebrated in other countries, but not in a big way like we would. Um, so again, any non-food that we require for St. Patrick's Day, we would need to source ourselves. Every single time I come in. <laughs> Every single time. Uh, like I said, I come in for milk sometimes and I walk out with like 50 quid worth of shopping. <laughs> Oh yeah, so many things, including chainsaw and so many things, pans, pots, deep fryers, uh, toast, men, all my electronics for the kitchen, I get them from here. Great, and you still have them? Yes, you have many of them, yeah, yeah. Well, it's ma- mainly toys I buy, because I have ten grandchildren now, so there's always something, and I'm tempted, like I am, I'm tempted along there, you know. Yeah, and, and it's a good price, saves me going to Smith's. Must have it, ten years I bought. Um, a gazebo. All I bought garden um, all garden furniture. Chairs, we still have them. Tables. Often. <laughs> Cooking things usually, you know, maybe a new kind of an air fryer or something that I don't need, but I want. With Christmas only around the corner, Jason, when did we order the seasonal stock that we see in our stores today? The funny thing about ordering, if you want to talk about Christmas specifically, we... Uh, we started ordering our Christmas stock uh, a year ago at this stage, almost. Um, so we, we order stock up between nine and 12 months in advance of it going on sale. Um, so we would have ordered Christmas stock back in January of this year. Um, so as everyone else is kind of winding down after Christmas in January, we, uh, we're starting to order for next Christmas already. When you're a planner in, in non-food, and I'm sure it's the same in other departments, um, you're, all, you're constantly thinking you know, nine, 12 months down the line. Part of that is changing the way you look at, at, at products and, and how they're performing. You, you have to switch on your brain to reacting to what happened last week in stores, you know, changing prices if, if necessary, recalling products from stores, um, but at the same time thinking what's coming up in four weeks' time that's going to go into the leaflet, pricing items that are going on sale maybe in eight weeks' time. So you're constantly checking the market, checking your main competitors to see what's uh, what's going on and how we need to react in price terms but then you're thinking okay well what am i going to be ordering now at the next house must run which is you know coming uh, the next one we'll be going to will be january so that'll be we'll be ordering christmas so you're thinking right we need to now start thinking about what's happening in the market around christmas time taking notes of new products that are out there um, and then getting ready for for ordering that far in advance yeah I'd say probably the fastest selling item would have been, again, during COVID times, when everybody was kind of stuck at home and spending time in their gardens, uh, our hanging egg chair sold out in a matter of hours. Were the little branded socks and t-shirts, was that, was it a surprise? How well, How well they did? Yeah. It's a surprise to me, I'll tell you that. I would yeah. think, yeah. I'd say there, there might be some in the business who, like, with the benefit of hindsight, say, like, oh, I knew exactly how much we were going to sell yeah. all of those. No chance that they wouldn't perform. Um, but yeah, it's, it, that did surprise me. Um, like, it's Obviously, Lidl is not a... The brand Lidl itself is maybe something you don't associate with textiles. And we have fantastic brands in our textile range, you know, the likes of Crivet for... Um, for sports goods and the Asmara range and, and all of that. 
from my own perspective, I've I think don't think I think I still have every electrical product I ever bought from Lidl. Um, I've I've been I have a, a pressure washer back at home. I have a leaf blower. I have what else have I got? I've got got an air fryer. So you know, don't come ringing around my house trying to use it uh, if you haven't got one yourself. You can't find your own. Um, I think the most the one I've had the longest is probably I, I bought the bought the Silvercrest radio CD player. It must have been over five years ago at this stage, maybe even longer, and still works. I just don't have any CDs anymore to use in it, so it's it's like, thankfully, it still has Bluetooth connectivity, so the old Spotify still works on it. So there you have it. That's how the magic happens on the mid-lyle. That's all for episode four of Lidl Chats, and it's the end of this series. Thanks to everyone that took part in this series, to all our colleagues and customers, and thanks to you for listening. See See you soon. soon. Episode four is now closing. Thank you for listening.